We have been teaching on Sunday evenings and also on Wednesday evenings on the subject of love. Uh, we started another segment of this series on the subject of love, and that is how to develop the love of God in you. How to develop the love of God in you, our theme scripture throughout this uh, series, uh, both this portion of it and the previous portion is John chapter 15 verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So this is Jesus' commandment. He's given us the ability to do it uh, by giving us life, giving us eternal life, giving us the nature of God, and uh, giving us the love of God on the inside. So we have God's love in us, so it gives us the ability to love like He loves and love one another in that way. So developing the love of God, we gave you a definition of the word develop, and it means to become larger, fuller, or better, to grow or to evolve. It means to be disclosed or to show or work out by degrees, to reveal or make known gradually. So it is a process of working out what is on the inside, what is in you, in your spirit, by virtue of the new birth. Uh, the love of God is one thing that you have in you. We have seen that it is a fruit of the spirit. Uh, love is one of the fruit of the spirit, and it is the primary fruit of the spirit. And uh, if we walk in love, all of the other fruit of the Spirit will be exhibited in our life as well. So really what we're wanting to do is bear fruit, produce fruit. As Christians, that is the goal of uh, the Christian, Christian life is to produce fruit. And uh, Jesus wanted us to produce fruit and said that in John chapter 15, uh, that we would abide in Him and He in us and that we would bring forth fruit. We would produce fruit as a result. So then, as a uh, believer who desires to uh, produce fruit, uh, how is it that we are going to develop in this love? How are we going to uh, produce fruit? Well, the first way is that we meditate on the love of God. We meditate upon the love of God because uh, in life you're going to have plenty of opportunities uh, to meditate on other things, negative things, because they will come, right? Right? Actually, the scripture says, offenses will come, uh, but you don't have to be offended. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. But as a uh, human being, you're going to have temptations to be offended. You're going to have temptations uh, to not walk in love, or uh, to get angry, or upset, or whatever. And so in your life, you have to make a choice, like Brother Hagin used to say. He said, I've decided to walk in love whether anybody else does or not. So walking in love is something you have to decide to do. And so we have looked at that somewhat in the past lessons that we have covered. And so walking in love is a choice. And so we choose to walk in love. But uh, in order to... Uh, to develop in the love of God, uh, understanding that God's love is already perfect. You don't perfect the love of God. Uh, you just get perfected in the love of God. In other words, you are developing. You are growing in this love. But the love of God itself that has been deposited in your heart is a perfect love. It is the love of God himself, and it is not a lesser love no more than it is a lesser life. It is God's life on the inside of you. It is God's love on the inside of you. 
But in order to grow in it, to, uh, to reveal it by degrees or to show it, to disclose it, as we saw the word develop means, uh, in order to disclose it uh, or to reveal it outwardly, uh, we must meditate on the love of God. And spend some time and some quality time meditating on the word concerning love. Now the last part of that definition uh, is very illustrative. It says in photography, it means to put an exposed film or plate or printing paper in various chemical solutions in order to make the picture visible. It's uh, old school photography for sure, and I'm sure they still practice it, but... uh, uh, it's not, not what most of us would practice. We just take a picture with a f- cell phone and we get an instant picture and then you can work with it and make it look better than it did, did look initially when you took it. Uh, so that's pretty, mu- pretty much the way we think of uh, photography today. But if you dip this uh, film or, uh, in a solution as they uh, did uh, previously primarily, Uh, it would draw that image out. You would see the image uh, come forth or develop. And so the image of God is in you. You're created in the image and in the likeness of God. Uh, Put on what? The new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. After God or in the image of God, other translations say. So who in the image of God, remember originally Adam was created in the image of God. Eve was created in the image of God, in the likeness of God. So this is who you are. Uh, It's not something you're just trying to be. It's something you are and you exhibit who you are. And exhibiting who you are should be a, we could say, a supernaturally natural process. In other words, the image is in you. Christ is in you. What? The hope of glory. So you have this image on the inside. Uh, You created and said you you could be renewed in the image of him that created you. All right. So in other words, you are renewed consistently or constantly in this same image. In the image of Christ. So uh, the image of Christ is certainly love. You can't. Remember, one of our scriptures was 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. Uh, What? God is love. He that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. God is love. So Christ is love. So if you're going to exhibit the image of Christ or the image of God, you're going to exhibit the image of love. It's going to be a display or demonstration or disclosure of the love of God that is on the inside to reveal by degrees, to work it out, what's on the inside coming to the outside. That's basically Christianity is what's on the inside coming to the outside. It must be developed. It must grow like a newborn babe grows and develops. The capacity is there for them to do anything that any other human being can do, but they have to develop their body and their mind and they have to develop their spirit as well in order to fully express and be who God created them to be. So as a child of God, we must grow, we must develop, and then we become more clearly on the outside who we are on the inside. All right, so then you dip your spirit, so to speak, in the solution of the Word of God, and the image of God starts coming forth. 
Christ starts coming forth. Or the love of God begins to be exhibited on the outside of who you are, the image of God that you are on the inside. So, really, it's a process of meditation on the Word, meditating on the Word, Psalm 1 we looked at, and when you do, you bear fruit. You'll, you'll bear your fruit in your season when you meditate day and night on the Word of God. So, easily, you can be distracted and get away from a consciousness or an awareness of who you are in Christ or consciousness or an awareness of the love of God that is inside of you. And so the devil would like to tempt you or test you, and he'd like to pressure you to yield to the flesh, the world, the devil. And so you have to choose to yield to the Holy Spirit and yield your spirit to the Holy Spirit and then exhibit on the outside who you are on the inside. Amen? All right. So then we are going to uh, continue our uh, look tonight at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to uh, focus uh, on the Amplified Bible. There are many good translations. I've looked at many others as well. Many good translations you can meditate on, but the Amplified Bible gives you a good overview of uh, this passage of Scripture, I believe, and gives you a good look at it. So we're going to look at the Amplified Bible. And number one in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, it says, Love endures long and is patient and kind. So we highlighted that on Sunday night. Love is what? Patient and kind. Love endures long. So there's an endurance factor in the love of God, patient and kind. Hallelujah. So being kind. So how are you going to know if you're walking in love? How are you going to know you're gonna, that you're walking in love? Uh, we'll, we'll just say it this way, that your development is measurable. So you can measure how far you've come, so to speak. Or you can measure your spiritual growth and your development. And certainly we don't want to overdo that in our lives because sometimes the devil would try to use that to condemn you. Look, you, your failure here, your failure there. You didn't do this. You didn't. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about being honest with ourselves, honest with God, and honest with others as well. Praise God. And seeing where you are spiritually and if you fall back into the flesh or fall back into your natural reasoning or, or yield to the devil even. If you, if you do that, thank God there is grace, there's mercy, there's forgiveness, and God will forgive you. But you have to really have some kind of measuring guide in order to recognize that. Does that make sense? You have to have some kind of a measuring God to even recognize that you are walking in the flesh or that you are yielding to your natural reasoning or that you are yielding to the spirit of this world, the devil. All right, so how are you going to know? Well, you just look at the measuring rod, if you will. Look, look at the Word of God. Look to see, is this the way I am living my life? And this is, the, is this the way that I'm behaving or responding to other people or to life itself? All right, so he says, love endures long. It is patient and kind. Then he says, love is never envious, nor does it boil over, nor boils over with jealousy. It's not envious, and it doesn't boil over with jealousy. You know, jealousy is cruel as a grave. Envy is the rottenness of the bones. 
Wow, that's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? So envy is not going to be a healthy thing for you to do. Or being jealous, overly possessive is not going to be a wise uh, trail for you to walk on. Why? Because it's destructive. So anything destructive to your life is not Holy Spirit. Anything destructive to your life is not God. The devil came to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So then, God is endeavoring to preserve and protect and bless and cause us to have his best in our life. So he doesn't want us to get out into this flesh world or be dominated by your flesh or dominated by your natural reasoning. All right, so let's go. He says, next, love is not boastful. It is not vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. So it is void of pride. It is not boastful. It is not vainglorious. It, is, it does not display itself in a haughty way. Haughtily. And the next verse is, it is not conceited. It is not arrogant and inflated with pride. Now, pride is a difficult thing to recognize. It really is. So, he says, love is not inflated with pride. It is not puffed up, as the King James says. So, in other words, you don't let uh, people overinflate you. You don't let yourself overinflate you. Or you don't let the devil overinflate you. There's just a balance in life. God wants you to be self-confident. He wants you to have confidence in Him. He wants you to live your life uh, with an awareness that you can do all things through Jesus Christ. But at the same time, maintain a spirit of humility. Because when you're humble, you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. God says He can exalt you and will exalt you in due time. So then uh, humbling yourself and walking humbly with God is an essential thing for our lives to be uh, productive and blessed by God. So he says that love is not conceited. It's not all about self. Love is considering others. Love is not arrogant. Love is not inflated with pride. Well, sometimes you see... At times, people can be very arrogant. Not you, of course. Not anyone here, I'm sure. But they can be arrogant. Or they think that they are to be answered to completely. In other words, they are the ones that uh, call you uh, to uh, tall, so to speak. At certain points, they, they should if, they, if they're in that kind of position. Or... But sometimes people overdo, overinflate themselves, and they somehow think that they're to control other people. Does that make sense? All right, so let's go for, forward. We're, we're just looking at the Scripture just to examine ourselves a little bit. All right, so he says, love is not rude. Love is not rude. 
Have you ever been in a situation where people were just rude? Of course you have. Unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. All right, so what's unbecomingly? Consider it. Well, what's becoming to a Christian? Well, we are basically reading what is becoming to a Christian, aren't we? What's becoming to a Christian? Kindness. All of the fruit of the Spirit is becoming. In other words, you look good. You know, uh, ladies maybe go uh, look for some clothing and, and uh, uh, most of the time, or, or gentlemen as well, you know, uh, most of the time the people in the store, they'll say, that looks so great. They'll build you up and tell you how great you look in it. But you might, you might want to make, make sure that they're being honest with you, right? Because they're in a sales position. So a good salesperson is going to tell you some truth, though. You know, I think this over here would look better or fit you better or whatever. All right, so uh, you, you don't want to wear things that don't look good on you. Just don't fit you right, right? Or just don't, that doesn't, that's not becoming to you. And so spiritually, you need to wear your clothes, so to speak. Put on this new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Put on the new man and wear these righteous clothes, these clothing of love. Put on love, the Scripture says. Put it on. So putting it on, you have to recognize what you have. Now, my wife to this day, praise the Lord, if she gets something new, she puts it on. By the way, Quinette, she wore what you gave her already. I mean, like she, she got it. She said, I think I'll wear that. It's a blessing. Fit her perfectly. Listen, as a Christian, you need to recognize what you have. Now, personally, I could get something new. Somebody give me something or I get something new and I may not wear it. Right now, it may be a month, maybe two months before I even put it on. Just a difference in our personality. All right? But her, she puts it on. Well, that's the way you need to be as a Christian. Just go ahead and put it on. Go ahead and wear it. Just act like it belongs to you. Recognize this is mine. This is, this is mine in Christ. And so just putting on this kind of attitude in your life as a Christian, wear things that Love, joy, and peace, and patience, and goodness, and kindness, and meekness, and temperance, and putting on the fruit of the Spirit, just putting on your new clothes. And the the new clothes in Christ, they never actually get old. I mean, it's not like they get old. That's, That's old there. They're never outdated. Love is never outdated. Patience is never outdated. Now, it might be to some people, they may not have any clue that this is the kind of life you want to live. But I can tell you, when, when you please God, then you are going to wear the clothes that look like Him. Remember, you're trying to, endeavoring to bring that image out. Gradually, disclose, reveal, make known that that is on the inside of you, the love of God. And so what are you doing? You're just going to meditate on the Word until what's in you comes out of you. Because really the Word is just telling you who you are. 
The Word is telling you what you have. The Word is telling you what belongs to you as a child of God. So it's just time to wear it. Just time to put it on. Just, just act like it's mine. It belongs to me and I'm going to wear it. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so it does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. Love is not self-seeking. It doesn't insist on its own rights or its own way. Now, that doesn't mean that you do not ever stand up for self. That doesn't mean that you don't ever speak up for yourself. But, in a large way, it does mean that you're not self-centered and you're not going to let other people, right, control your life. You're not insisting on your own rights in your own way. You just, you just let God be God. If you could change everybody in a moment, it would be a wonderful thing, but they probably wouldn't be patterned after God if you did. I said they probably wouldn't be patterned after God if you had that great ability. The reality is you don't have that ability. God has to work in a person's heart both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And you just do your part in exhorting, encouraging, praying for, and being a blessing to others and encouraging them in the word. But you can't control their life. You can't even control your wife. You can't even control your husband, much less control everybody else. So as a Christian, your job is to evaluate yourself more than you're evaluating others. Thank you, Jesus. So he says that love doesn't insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. Then he says love is not touchy. Touchy. It's not touchy, not easily uh, offended. It's not easily moved by uh, what people say or what people do. All right, so he said his love is not touchy, then it is not fretful. Because usually if you're touchy, you're going to become fretful. If you're touchy, you're going to start fretting about it. If you start fretting about it, you're going to become resentful. He said, love is not touchy, it's not fretful, it's not resentful. In other words, you don't let resentment build up in your life. Resentful, full of resentment. So you don't allow that to occur. Well, if you're not self-centered or if you're not self-seeking and you're not uh, selfish, then uh, you're not probably going to become that way. You're not going to be touchy. Because usually if you're touchy or fretful, it's really about self-preservation. It's about me, isn't it? Usually when you're touchy about something, it's not because you want the best for them. Am I preaching really good? I said, it's usually not because you want the best for them. So he says, love is not touchy. It's not fretful. It's not resentful. 
Then he says, it takes no account of evil done to it. And even goes further and says, it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It takes no account of the evil done to it. And it doesn't even pay attention to a suffered wrong. It doesn't keep a record. It doesn't uh, say, like, I mean, you know, sometimes husbands and wives, they kind of keep a, keep a little balance sheet. Or friends, they just keep a little balance sheet. They just have a little account record. Okay. I did this for her. I did this for him. I did this for them. And so I'm expecting this from them. They keep a little balance sheet. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, generally, if you're keeping an, a balance sheet, you're trying to get your rights. Yeah, you're, you're making sure that you get what you ought to get. But love doesn't keep score. Love doesn't keep records. Love doesn't. No, if, if they didn't do everything you expected them to do, you've already forgiven them. You've already forgiven them. And you forgot about it. You're not keeping records. Now, I understand in any relationship, there has to be some give and receive, right? So it's unhealthy if it's all one-sided. But that's, that's where you get it corrected earlier in this passage that we just read, right? It's not self-centered. It's not, uh, it's not uh, all about me. So in relationships... You don't want to always keep the score. You don't want to always keep account of the record or records of the wrongs that people have done to you. Because if you do that, you're always going to have something in your pouch or in your crawl. Right? You always have something uh, that's against them. Well, because uh, nobody that you've uh, been in relationship has been perfect and has scored 100%. Let me say it again. Nobody that you're in relationship with has scored 100%. Perfect. No. Uh, you probably have had opinions that they, uh, they should have done this or they shouldn't have done that. Right? So if they're not at 100% you're keeping score and you're keeping records, then you got something already always uh, that is just a little bit edgy. But then if they start scoring lower... Like they're in the 90 percentile, or then they go down to 80. You know, in most people, people's minds are already in the failure category. They might graduate to the next grade in public school, but they're in the failure category as far as you're concerned. All right, so, uh, so what, what, what you have to do is you just have to love people and forgive them uh, for their wrong. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so then next, he says, takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Everybody say, pays no attention. So if you pay no attention, then you say, well, I'll just forgive him. I'm not paying any attention to that. I'm going on. Praise the Lord. And sometimes you just, you condition yourself that you just don't let people get under your skin. Amen? All right, so let's go to the next one. Uh, we're just taking a little love test tonight. 
How you doing? How you scoring? All right, number six, verse six. It does not rejoice in injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. All right, so this is kind of, this, this verse is a little bit of a balance to the scales. Because in some cases, people think that, okay, well, you walk in love, you forgive, you don't keep any record, you don't keep any score, uh, and, and you're not self-centered, and you're not selfish, and okay, then I can just take advantage of you. Now, people may not always just figure that out. Some people do because they are uh, manipulative and malicious in their, uh, in their way of living. All right. But uh, some people may not have it all figured out, but they know that they can take advantage. And so they do in some cases. But love also has a, ba- a balance to it. And this verse gives some balance. All right. Let's look at it again. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness. So if it's injustice or it's wrong, right, then there's no joy in that. But it rejoices when right and truth prevail. So in other words, love actually recognizes what is right and what is wrong. Now, there are a lot of people that think they recognize what is right and what is wrong, but they've got it all skewed and they've got it uh, mixed up because they're not walking in love. But love is just. That's why God is the only one that can fully judge. The reason God is the only one that can fully judge is because he is 100% motivated by love. Even in his judgment, even in his judgment, he is motivated by love. And God will judge in order to protect. And in his justice, he will judge people to protect them. And if they continue to go that way, then, you know, even uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, we just... Uh, read it when we shared communion. He said, first, judge yourself. But if, you're not, if you don't judge yourself, then you would be judged. That you would not be condemned with the world. I mean, so his judgment in that, in that verse is just saying, even if I have to judge you, the reason that I'm judging you is so that you're not condemned with the world. In other words, so that you make the adjustment, you finally get it. You wake up. To reality, and you actually see it. Thank God for his mercy and judgment. But he wants us to judge ourselves. So in judging yourself, then you judge yourself based on the word and based on the uh, truth of God's word. And we can judge our actions just by reading 1 Corinthians and meditating on it. And then if you do that consistently, then you begin to recognize where you're missing your cues. Or you are missing uh, putting on this new man. Or you're not uh, consistently wearing these new clothes. Right? You're pulling the old clothes out. Of the flesh. The world. The devil. And so you're putting on the wrong attire. You're putting on the wrong clothes. 
you're, you're maintaining, in many cases, a fleshly lifestyle rather than uh, a spiritual perception. All right, so he says, love rejoices when right and truth prevail. So that means that sometimes you will stand up and say, well, that's not right. That's just not right. Now, if you're going to have a healthy marriage, you're going to have to, at some point, say, that's not right. Because they're not recognizing the way they're acting is. I mean, the best is that, is that they recognize it. But in a healthy relationship, there are times where you have to speak up for self, right? Well, the best is that both recognize but some of that growth process is because people in the relationship at certain points, not, not daily, not constantly, because a lot of times you've got to do the forgiving thing and not keep score, not keep record, and just say, Father, I forgive, and we're going on. Praise the Lord. We're not going to have a two-hour discussion about that. And I'm not going to be the one to start that discussion. I'm just going to forgive and go on. All right, but there are times when you have to speak up. Are you with me? All right, so next verse. Love bears up under anything. Now he's told us, you know, how we are to behave, basically. How we are to live our lives. The attitude with which we are to live. Then he says, this is what happens when you do this. He said, love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Love bears up. Under anything and everything that comes, even though there's a lot of weight on you, you still rise. Even though there's a lot of pressure, you still bear up. Under anything and everything that comes. In other words, you're going to overcome. May not look like it. May not look like you're winning at the moment, but you overcome. Hallelujah. So love causes you to win. It says, love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Even the people that you you know are not right right now. You know. I mean, literally. You have insight and you understand that where they're at right now is not right. But you still believe the best of them. In other words, you believe in Christ in them. You believe in their ability to perceive at certain points in their life that they finally get it. You keep believing in people. You believe that God's grace is such that he loves them in spite of their foolishness. And he does. And one way you can know that is because he loved you in spite of yours. Because anybody in the room has had those moments that you were foolish and and you didn't behave right. You didn't do the right thing. You didn't make the right choices. And you say, well, yeah, but but, 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 since I've been saved, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been. No, we all know you've been. (laughs) Hallelujah. And before you say, you sure didn't do the right thing, right? But God's grace, God had mercy on you in your journey. 
<laughs> he, had, he had mercy on your life in your spiritual life and journey. And thank God he did because we wouldn't be here. None of us would be here if it were not for the mercy of God and the love of God. That he loved us in spite of how we behaved. In spite of our attitude, in spite of it, he didn't just ignore it. He didn't just say, well, it's okay, and that's right. No, he didn't just put anything. He didn't put any validity on it. He just says, I love you anyway. I still love you. And how many are glad he did? Praise God forever. I still love you. All right, so he says that, you believe the best of every person. Your hopes are fadeless. Think with me now. Your hopes are fadeless. Now listen to the conditions. Under all circumstances. In other words, you have hope no matter what the circumstances. And not only do you have hope, your hope did not fade. If you looked across the valley yesterday, it was pretty bleak looking. It was pretty dim. I mean, you know, the haze across the city. You couldn't see clearly. All right? You couldn't see clearly. But this hope never fades. In other words, you are able to see with clear hope no matter what the circumstances are. Hallelujah. Under all circumstances, then it endures everything without weakening. So the love of God is so enduring. Actually, it starts out that way, doesn't it? Love what does what? Endures long and is patient and kind. So it endures everything without weakening. So this stuff is such quality that it doesn't lose any of, any of its strength or any of its power, no matter what's going on around you. Hallelujah. So the love of God is a winning factor. Because the next verse says, love never fails, never fades out, never becomes obsolete, and never comes to an end. It never fails. Love never fails. Now, the reason people give up on love is because they think it didn't work. <laughs> they, they give up on it. They say, well, I can't. I, I, this is not working. I've been loving them. I've been loving them. I've been loving them. I've loved 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 them. And I've loved them. And I've loved them. And I've loved them. And it didn't work. No, no, no. Love never fails. <laughs> Love never fails. Never, never fades out. Never becomes obsolete. It's never time that this is not relative. The love of God is always relative. 
It doesn't matter what's going on. The circumstances do not determine the relativity of the love of God. It's relative no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the conditions, no matter what pressures, no matter what weight, no matter what is going on in your environment, in your world, in your home, in your family, in your community, in your church or wherever. You can put this anywhere, anytime, and this stuff is relevant to whatever is happening in your world. And it has power to change you and change your environment. And when lived by, it will change others. I said, when genuinely lived by, it will not fail. It will change others because this thing is so genuine and so real. And if it's a sincere love of God, it's the pure love of God, it's going to work. Because it's motivated by God himself. Now, does that mean that everyone is going to respond to it in a timely way? No. But everyone will respond to it. One way or the other. Everyone will respond. And most people, most people will respond with at least... Some awe, like a little bit of awe, like, why do they treat me that way? So well and so kind, so considerate. At least pause and think about it. And that kindness or that graciousness or that faith in them, believing in them, love and believing in people will pull them up. Instead of pushing them down. Years ago, the Holy Spirit said it to me this way. He said, love is a pulling power that pulls people out of darkness into light. In other words, genuine love will pull people out of darkness. Thank you, Jesus. Some people are maybe slow to recognize. But if you keep loving, if you keep loving, keep walking in the love of God. It will be recognized by someone. Thank you, Jesus. And even if they turn on you and accuse you of doing it for the wrong reason, if you're purely motivated, uh, in time, the truth will be known. In time, the truth will be known. So walking in love is a key to your success. Walking in love and living your life by the love of God, it will cause you to win in life. It will cause you to overcome. Thank you, Jesus. Love is a way to victory.